Hello everyone, this is Justin Hollander and you are listening to Cognitive Urbanism. I'm really happy to have a chance to, to touch base. I have been cooped up quite some time now. It's been a couple weeks and we are in the midst uh, today. I'm recording this. I usually don't uh, give you the date that I'm recording it, try to make uh, make these podcasts timeless, but uh, the, the Today is March 31st, 2020, and it's really, really important that I talk about what day it is because we are in the midst of this really fast-moving pandemic, COVID-19, which is imposing unbelievable consequences on uh, not, not just, um, you know, right here in the U.S., but throughout the globe, a true pandemic of cataclysmic proportions we um, we're, we're learning every day about the the really ridiculous rise in number of infections and deaths and and the spread of this disease and I really wanted to use this podcast to talk about a couple areas uh, the first is you know when this all first began and it became um, abundantly clear to me that closures were going to have catastrophic impact on our economy, the first thing I kind of thought about was, well, yeah, I'm, I am worried about the disease. I am worried about uh, the, the large numbers of people who w- will be sick and, and can, can die from this disease. This is certainly a, a concern of mine. But when I thought about the scale of the disruption that these closures were going to generate, the thing that really weighed on me at that time when this first began was the sense that we've got to take big, bold action as a country to respond. And, 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 and the sentiment applies internationally as well. I mean, I think that, 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 that the way that COVID-19 is affecting the United States is really not that dissimilar at all from, from elsewhere. But, you know, I'm just going to kind of f- focus my remarks you know, here and, and really talk about the federal government and, and, and what kind of response is appropriate. So, so when I f- first started thinking about this, it was, it was so, still early days in terms of uh, federal government. And, and at that time, the, really the focus was really on how can the government respond best with medical supplies or helping to enforce quarantines or, you know, the, the screenings. And, and so I was really uh, upset that there wasn't enough attention to the economic uh, impact. So I wrote this uh, essay that was published as an op-ed in The Hill, which is the main newspaper, um, also has a, a very well-followed uh, digital presence on Capitol Hill in the White House. So trying to get the attention of these decision makers in Washington to really just kind of have them open their eyes to what was really happening and the severity of it. So uh, at that time, there was really very little in the way of uh, public discussion, certainly in Washington around any kind of major federal investment. And so I was thinking about how the need, the real need was for a stimulus to people who were unemployed. Um, But I didn't think politically it was realistic to, to imagine any kind of handout any kind of expansion of unemployment or, or, or anything along those lines. So I was thinking, how else can you politically get the support to, to, to 
get money into people's pockets so they can pay rent, they can buy food, they can, you know, move ahead with their lives. And 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 frankly, people want to work, they want to help. So I thought, well, how about like a jobs program, kind of like what happened during the Great Depression and the Works Progress Administration, where Franklin Delano Roosevelt put through this program that was supported by Congress that hired millions of people to build bridges, lay out roads, build schools. Uh, and, and so the, this idea of putting people to work to address a problem, you know, really for me became very compelling when the, 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 there was this uh, discussion of flattening the curve, this notion that we need to reduce the number of, of, of acute infections so that it can be uh, at a level uh, that, that the current healthcare system can, can handle. Well, so here I'm suggesting, well, maybe we can use the resources of, of what can be potentially millions of people unemployed, use those people to increase the capacity of our medical system. So, so that was the uh, op-ed, and I encourage you to, to read it on The Hill, thehill.com. And, um, and it was nice. I did get some attention for that, some, some, some positive feedback. It, it was mentioned again in an article by this major national real estate website, Curbed. And so there was some traction. And, and ultimately, actually, Congress passed this uh, trillion-dollar-plus uh, basically handout, um, it, really just an expansion of, of uh, unemployment and without any kind of like requirement for people to, to help with, uh, with supporting industries. So, so uh, which I mean, I'm, you know, I'm supportive of that. I, I, I feel like it's possible my essay can help uh, bring attention to the need for, for big, bold action. So for that, for that I'm happy. And, um, and so I'm gonna continue to monitor uh, uh, actions in Congress and, and, and to the extent that what I proposed, I called it the Healthy Works Initiative, um, to the extent that getting people who aren't working because their business is closed or their organization is shuttered, uh, to be able to get them into some sort of productive activity without exposing them, of course, to uh, you know, additional harm uh, seems, seems really prudent. So, so the other thing I just want to uh, briefly talk about with you guys is, you know, this is, of course, this is my kind of knee-jerk reaction. Just I felt like you know, it was important to kind of talk about, talk about what to do. But as a researcher, I have been over the last couple of weeks really struggling with doing my research, and I keep pretty busy. I have a bunch of projects. I have a lot of people who, who work with me and employees and, and students, and, and, and I just was struggling to get going with any of those. I really felt like this, this global emergency really, really was just hard for me to focus on, 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 on these other projects. So. So I spent really a good several days just kind of mulling over beyond just kind of writing that op-ed and, and trying to you know be a resource for political leaders. I thought, well, how can I use my research skills and how can I apply those to um, to, to addressing what, what, what's happening today? And so I started talking to uh, one of my researchers. I started talking to some of my students, and I came up with this idea that has really um, has really morphed and 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 has gone through a few iterations, but I just I just want to share with you all kind of the basic idea, and, and maybe this will be something others can contribute to as well. So if you've listened to other of my podcasts or read any of my books, you know, or articles, you know that I'm really interested in this idea that we call urban social listening. 
that there is a phenomenal amount of, of data and information embedded in the social media posts that people use every day of their lives. And that the good news is there are many ways that we can tap into that data without violating people's privacy or, or, um, or, or having to spend enormous amounts of money. Um, and so, so really just, just trying to think about, well, well, how can that kind of framework, how can that insight be useful today? And, and really what I thought about was how, you know, every day it seems like we've, we get new information about how many infections. Uh, the, there is this vast public health infrastructure out there that is really good at recording when people are hospitalized, at recording when people are you know, die from COVID-19. You know, we have really amazing statistics and at a fairly small geography um, for, for many, I'd say probably all of the United States, we have it by the county. And for many places, we also have it for a county subdivision, like a city or or town. So, you know, really, really good data and, and updated very regularly. But the really the the heart of so much of what, what the policy response to the disease has been is the social distancing. And that we really are not uh, provided any kind of real data that's uh, provided offered in the mainstream mainstream uh, conversation and certainly not in the policy discourse. So so I was thinking maybe this urban social listening approach might provide some insights. Can we not use data, for example, from Twitter to be able to understand if people are, are distancing or not? And then maybe correlate that with the infections data that's available from local, state, and, and federal sources. So. As I said, today is March 31st, uh, 2020, um, so I'm just right now in the midst of it. I usually like to wait until I finish a project before I, I, share, I share the findings and the results on, um, on, my, on this podcast, but you know, I, got, I got something going right now, and I thought uh, it would be great to just get the word out, and, and certainly any of those of you listening, if you have any ideas, if you want to be part of this kind of research, I would love to hear from you, so um, definitely reach out by, by email. Um, so thanks so much for listening, and I hope to be able to continue to use the podcast to, to communicate information, insights, and, and results from this kind of research and, and other projects and other observations. So hope you um, are, are well and um, all the best. Bye-bye.